From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. Hey, J.R., lots to talk about. Another Marquette poll came out last week. It shows declining support for impeachment and removing President Trump from office in Wisconsin. The impeachment hearings were underway as the poll was being conducted. And the survey of 800 registered voters shows Trump holds a slight lead over the top Democratic frontrunners in Wisconsin, defying some of the national polls that show at least three of the Dems winning by quite a bit if the election were held today. What do you make of these results in the key swing state of Wisconsin? Uh, well, poll director Charles Franklin made a couple of points. There's a presentation on the, the results. One is that Republicans are rallying around President Trump and Democrats are a little more wishy-washy about their potential challengers to the president and about impeachment. So if you add those two things together, it explains the shift. Now, I always have to have, you have the obvious caveats. Any poll is a snapshot in time. Um, there's a margin of error, so these numbers aren't like baked in or anything like that. But in asking about the results last week, kind of the theme I got back was that they saw, uh, some people I talked to, a parallel between the attempt to recall Governor Walker in Wisconsin in 2012 and this impeachment process and what's happening to the president's numbers now. And the reason I raised that point was back in 2012, especially in 2011, after Act 10 was proposed and passed, Governor Walker had really not great poll numbers. But as we got closer to the recall election in June 2012, what insiders kind of noticed was that people may not have liked what Governor Walker did or even disagreed with him strongly, but they didn't feel like he should be removed from office because he did a pol- made a policy decision. And Republicans rallied around him because they liked what he did and they didn't like the recall process. Now, there is obviously a difference because we're not talking with Walker, something that wasn't illegal versus President Trump with an impeachment proceeding based on the allegation that he did something that was illegal. Okay. That said, that parallel people raised was that Republicans are rallying on the president, that they don't like this whole thing. They think this is uh, inappropriate. And people in the middle are kind of going, well, you know, there's an election in less than a year. Why go through this now? Why not just wait and have the voters make the decision in the ballot box. That could be what's going on. And don't forget, again, it's a poll. It's a snapshot in time. So you need to watch the trend. The trend the last couple months has moved toward Trump's direction. What happens from here? Because don't forget the poll was in the field just as the public hearings began, but came out before some of the bigger testimony toward the end of last week. Interesting parallel between impeachment and the, the recall. The Marquette poll also shows that Democratic Governor Tony Evers is under 50 percent for the first time since he was elected a year ago. Forty-seven percent approve of the job he is doing compared to 52 percent in October. The Republican-controlled legislature didn't score high marks either. What do you think of these numbers, especially where Tony Evers is concerned? Well, again, the trend. Uh, Governor Evers in August was plus 20 for job approval number plus 18 in October. Now he's plus five and below 50%. And I asked folks about that dynamic. And the feedback I got was basically that, you know, every governor and president, they have a honeymoon period, right? You get elected, people give you a chance. Okay, let's see what you're going to do. How are you going to govern? 
And Governor Evers told us during the election a year ago that he was going to bring the capital together and improve uh, the tenor on things, right? And people were kind of tired after eight years of Governor Walker and the constant partisan battles going on. So there was an attraction that kind of like a, a different approach to how things are going. One theory I've heard is that people are just simply viewing Governor Evers through a more partisan lens now than they did before. Um, if you dive into the Marquette numbers a little more deep in the cross tabs and, you know, be warned that the margins for error on cross tabs get higher, you know, when you get to like smart populations, that said, men went from overall approving of Governor Evers' job performance, like, like 50%, I think he was at in October. They're now below 50% by decent margin. Uh, Republicans, generally speaking, um, their opposition to Evers has hardened. So that could explain some of the shift. And it could just be that people who are partisans are now viewing him through a partisan lens. So, okay, you know, I'm a Republican. That guy's a Democrat. I now realize that he's going to govern as a Democrat and not as more of a moderate that I kind of hoped. Therefore, I'm not as happy with him anymore. You know, again, watch the trend. Um, it could be a blip, one-time dip, see if he goes back up, you know, the next time the Marquette poll comes in, goes in the field. And one thing that was really interesting, and Charles Franklin pointed this out in the presentation, there was so much controversy in Madison over the state Senate and Republicans rejecting uh, Tony Evers' agricultural secretary, right? And there was this perception by some that, you know, Evers may be a more sympathetic figure to the public because Republicans are taking this unprecedented step. There was a thought that this was going to hurt Evers because he responded with some salty language about what they did. Half of the voters had heard nothing about the entire story. And those who had were split whether it was the right thing to do or not. So it kind of you know raises the question, so what might have driven Evers' numbers if those most really didn't pay attention to that story? That was the big one. It just could be, again, the shifts to the top of the ticket with President Trump, hardening of partisan lines. That could be impacting Governor Evers as well. In another development, Republican Joint Finance Committee co-chair John Nygren filed a lawsuit last week seeking to force Democratic Governor Tony Evers to release records related to the funding of mental health programs for farmers. The state egg department requested the funding in July, but in August, Nygren sought documents under the open records law related to the request for funding. Evers rejected Nygren's request for the documents, saying it was overly broad. This is the second week in a row where Governor Evers has been knocked for allegedly violating the open records law. Why is he so averse to releasing documents? The earlier incident was with a Milwaukee TV station, which said it wanted one day of Governor Evers. Well, it started like with a couple weeks, I think, of Governor Evers or four weeks of Governor Evers' emails down to a couple, then just a one day as rejected as overly broad. That was his first kind of like little dust up recently, at least. He's had other complaints about how he's handled open records requests or the office has. This is another one. Um, his office has tried to argue that, look, they're just doing um, the same kind of stuff that others have before. But again, Governor Evers had promised coming to office he'd be more transparent than Governor Walker. There's going to be a, a different era being ushered in. And so far, open government advocates have not been very happy with Evers' approach to open records. Now, the question with this case with, with Nigren is that cap turned over the records that it had that Nigren sought, which were basically fairly similar to ones he asked from the governor's office, and the governor's office didn't. Why? What's the difference between what DATCAP decided and what the governor's office decided? And that's kind of something that might be flushed out in the course of this lawsuit, but it's something else for Republicans to 
say, look, here's a guy public that you thought was going to be above the fray in this new kind of era of government. And he's doing stuff like this. So there, there's some motivations there that, you know, make the governor point out that they don't think this is a good thing he's doing. Has any other governor been this hesitant to release records? Oh, ever. It's hard to say. You know, I know I talked to people in Governor Walker's administration who told me that, yeah, they they at times tried to look at how broad a request was and, and said, no, you can't have this because it's too broad of a request. And, you know, but toward the end, they said they turned things over. So, I mean, I've, I've gotten, if I ask for, you know, text messages, for example, under Governor Walker, a certain period from the governor or his chief of staff, I got them. Um, it just, toward the end, they're a little more uh, willing to turn things over, in part because they realized that it wasn't worth the fight. With Governor Evers, I don't know, is why don't they want to turn things over? Um, they're saying it's these expansive requests are really bogging down the operation, but why not? You know, what's in there that and, that they don't want out, and how is this going to impact his perception of the public about how open he is, how he runs government? And finally, the candidates for Wisconsin Supreme Court met last week for their first debate, and the kid gloves came off almost immediately. Incumbent Daniel Kelly, who was appointed by Republican Governor Scott Walker, faces a challenge from two liberal-leaning candidates, Marquette Law Professor Ed Fallone and Dane County Circuit Judge Jill Karofsky. The primary will be held in February and the general election in April. Karofsky started off the debate by suggesting that Kelly is corrupt because he repeatedly rules in favor of conservative groups. It then devolved into Karofsky and Kelly trading barbs back and forth for much of the duration of the debate. So if this is the starting point, what does it say about how ugly this race could get? Good question. Um, The thing that I'm really watching and others in Madison really isn't related to the Supreme Court race at all in some ways. It's the presidential primary. And the reason I say that is um, if there's a primary for president on the Democratic side and the Republican one, that is going to give the progressive candidate a leg up come April. Now, um, Justice Kelly, uh, we expect him to get through the primary because he's only conservative on the ballot. Um, The question becomes between Judge Karofsky and Professor Fallone, which one of those two emerge? Then we go to April, and really the race could almost be out of their hands. It could be about that turnout in the president's primary, more so than whether Judge Karofsky is accusing Justice um, Kelly of being corrupt or, or Kelly firing back that she's being political. It, it could be about different things because in this past spring, uh, Brian Hagedorn, a conservative, won an open seat in the court with a surge in enthusiasm among conservative voters and he got 606,000 votes. In the primary for president in 2016 for Democrats, a million people turned out. Um, The assumption is, if you get similar turnout for the primary for president for Democrats this time, while they're there, they'll vote for the progressive candidate who's on the ballot against Justice Kelly. So the questions are, is there a primary for president going on for Democrats come April? Um, It's entirely possible that somebody catches fire in that field, wins Iowa, New Hampshire, um, does really well Super Tuesday and the race is over. But if it's still going on, um, what's that going to look like? And then two, if you're a Republican, can you find a way with your turnout operation to get turnout from that surge of 606,000 votes for Hagedorn this past spring up to that million mark? I'm not saying it can't be done, but that's a, a quite a challenge without having something else in the ballot to drive people out the normal Supreme Court race. And what I'm getting at is, yeah, this race could get nasty, 
but it could get so overshadowed by that primary for president that people might not see those messages or really might not impact him as much as you would if it was just that's the top ticket, top race on the ticket come April. Right. Well, thanks for talking, JR. Anytime. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.